Thanks for joining us for the Exchange Church Podcast. Here's this week's message from Pastor Trey Rose. Can we just give Jesus a hand clap this morning? We also want to welcome our online congregation all the way from Brunswick, Georgia, Snow Hill, North Carolina, Houston, Colleen, Sandy, Pflugerville, Round Rock, Austin, all over Texas. Can we make them welcome today? We're so glad that you're here. Oh, you guys were ready to sit down. Look at you. Aren't you so cute? All right, everybody stand up for one second. I want you to look around the room. You're about to be used by God, okay? It doesn't, doesn't matter if you feel like he's never used you. You're about to get used by God. I guarantee it. I want you to look around the room, and I'm going to ask Holy Spirit to pinpoint someone. Oh, there's gravity there too. Pinpoint someone to you. Just highlight them to you. Someone that, you know, you're just attracted to. Like, I need to encourage them. I need to say they look good today, or I just need to say God's proud of them. Something like that. Um, And then I want you to go to them. I'm going to give you 30 seconds to look around the room, find that one person. Everyone needs to participate, please. Even Even if you can't walk, you need to encourage someone. Shout to the row behind you. Um, I'm going to give you 30 seconds to find that person. Now, here's the cool thing. When you are looking for that person to encourage, God is sending someone that looks at you to encourage. So you're going to give encouragement, and you're also going to receive encouragement. So it's going to take a minute or two, okay? I'm going to give you 30 seconds. Look around the room. Everybody look around the room. Find somebody. This isn't like weird, creepy, super spiritual. This is just being a nice human. Okay, so take a deep breath for all of you introverts. Take a deep breath. Let it out. All right, you've got your person. Go. This is what a family living room looks like, guys. job. Let's wrap it up. I have a sermon. For those of you still talking, may I suggest going out to lunch together after church. (laughs) You obviously click well. Okay. Well, um, I tell you what, the last three days I've been in church, like church, and uh, it's been great. It's been incredible. If you 
people went with us. And it was a conference, but it wasn't a leadership conference. It wasn't for strategy. It was just going deeper with Jesus and personal devotion and, feeling, and, and the presence of God. And um, it was so long overdue for me. And as I told you at the beginning of service, I got some major, major breakthrough. Uh, last night, actually. And we left my family, um, because I'm a pastor, I pretty much have to be at church every Sunday, or get to be at church every Sunday. And um, even when I'm on vacation, I live stream. Like, I just, this is my family, and I can't stand to not be here. And um, although I, w I didn't live stream when Dana spoke two weeks ago, but I, because I couldn't get, I couldn't get it on my phone, but I heard she did phenomenal. She was talking about the empty seat. She did so, so good. I appreciate her leadership and the gift that God has put, the gift that she carries. And um, my family and I and a, a couple friends were in the suburban driving home from Dallas last night. We left Dallas at midnight. Yeah. And we got home around 3.45 in the morning, like as in two hours ago. And when we were driving home, and I'm a good driver at night. Don't fall asleep. I, I have no trouble. I've driven to Florida and back. You know, not had anyone else drive. I, I don't fall asleep while driving because I learned my lesson. I fell asleep once in my early 20s while I was driving, and then I hit those, those pavers that wake you up, and it scared the daylights out of me. I thought I was dead, and so I woke up, pulled over at a rest stop, and I slept for a couple of hours. Since then, I don't allow myself to get that tired, so I'm I uh, press through. I'm pretty persistent. I'm a good driver at night. Um, but we hit Temple. I don't know if you know Temple, but it's up the way, and it's been under construction for about 80 years. And we're in Temple. We leave Bucky's because anytime you go on a road trip, you got to go to Bucky's. Come on. Even if you're not hungry, even if you don't have to go to the bathroom, you got to stop at Bucky's just to say wave and take your picture for Instagram. And so we go to Bucky's and then we get back on the highway. Not long after, I come up behind a car. A car that I am quite sure the driver is drunk. I don't know what it is with me driving late at night, but I always find drunk drivers and I end up having to call 911. And it's, it's kind of cool for me because it gets my adrenaline up so I can do the last stretch of my drive. You know, and I'm starting to get tired and then I'm like, oh, drunk driver, I'm going to help the police. And so, you know, I'm following them, and I'm just like, I called 911. And uh, I get on the phone with the dispatcher, and I, I get up to tell the make, the model, the color of the car, the license plate number. Um, this car was so drunk. You know, in Temple, you've got these, um, I call it like the, the row of death. There are two small lanes with concrete sides. And then every time I drive through it, there are 18-wheelers. And then you want to pass them because you don't want to go that slow, but you also don't want to die. So you say, well, I'm going to take my chance. I love Jesus. He loves me. We'll see what happens. And so you get into the left lane to pass. This is what I do, at least. I clench the steering wheel so hard, and I lean forward like my whole body is shaking by the time I pass the 18-wheeler. And I don't look at the 18-wheeler because studies show that you drive towards what you look at. So I'm, I cannot look at the 18-wheeler. And crap, I cannot look at the concrete, because if I look at the concrete, then I'm going to go into the concrete. So I just fix my eyes straight ahead, and I'm driving, and I'm literally going probably 200 miles an hour. And then once I pass, I go back into the speed limit. This car wasn't even passing an 18-wheeler, but they were swerving so much in that section of road. I was behind them. 
their, their mirror, it was an inch from the concrete. And when they noticed it, they swerved into the other lane. And I was so scared. And I was like, oh my gosh, we've got to do something. So we called, that's when we're calling 911. But by the time we get to a dispatcher, this car has been weaving in and out of lanes, switching lanes every 30 seconds for no reason. There was no traffic. He almost sideswiped an 18-wheeler. He almost sideswiped me when I sped up to try to get the exact license plate. He got over on me and I slammed on my brakes to get behind him. And he was just so reckless. At one point, he almost went off the highway. And so I called the dispatcher. They asked me all these questions. I go through it. They asked me at least eight times what the license plate was. I told them the same license plate eight times in a row. Now, I'm not trying to knock emergency personnel at all. I highly respect them, highly respect them. Um, but then it took so long, she goes, oh, sir, I'm sorry, you're out of our jurisdiction, so I need to pass you on to another operator. The phone rings, and I get to another dispatch, and we start over. What are you calling for, sir? Uh, I'm trying to report a drunk driver. I just told the last lady, uh, it's pretty serious. I'm afraid this person's going to kill themselves or kill someone else, and we really need to get this taken care of. Uh, what's the color of the car? White. What, what's the make and model? And I told them, which I'm not saying in case it's your car. I, I knew they wouldn't be in first service. This is the hangover crowd. So I told them the license plate. They asked me about four times what the license plate was, confirmed it. And I have the license plate memorized now. Actually, I'm going to walk the parking lot after church, see if, see if you need a pastoral counseling session. And um, they, they ask what he did. So I go through the whole thing. And they're like, what exit are you? And I tell them the exit. And, then I tell him the mile marker, and then the next mile marker. No lie, this person says, sir, I'm sorry, you've just left our jurisdiction. I'm going to have to transfer you to another operator. I said, okay. So they transfer me to another operator. Hi, sir, do you need fire, EMS, or police? I need freaking police, like now. Why is it when I need police, I can't find police, but when I'm riding my bicycle and don't stop at the stop sign, I get a ticket. I need police. What's the color of the car? White. What's the license plate? Da-da-da-da-da. Sir, what's the license plate? Da-da-da-da-da-da-da. What's the license plate? Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. What are they doing? And so I go through the whole spill. I'm not exact. I know I exaggerate a lot, just to be funny. But the next words out of this person's mouth was, sir, you just left our jurisdiction. I'm going to have to transfer you to someone else. The phone rings. Sir, would you like fire, police, EMS? Just give me what you got. Anything close will work. Anything. Anything. What, what, what are you calling for? A drunk driver that I've been following since Temple. And I'm almost home. Well, what's the, what's the color, make, model, license plate? Tell him all that stuff. What's he doing? Tell him all that stuff. Where are you at exactly? Can you tell me where you're at exactly? And I said, yes, I'm in Texas. I'm on I-35. I don't know the exact city at this point because I've been driving for so long since first calling 911 that I don't really know where I am. Oh, look, I'm at mile marker da-da-da-da-da. Okay, sir, we think we've got your location. Have you passed uh, this store yet? Well, no, I have. Oh, look, there it is. Yes, um, um, we're passing that now. 
Are y'all almost here? Well, no, sir, we've got to get a hold of someone. I just need to put this in the system first. Oh, sir, you've just passed our jurisdiction. We're going to have to pass you on to Pflugerville Police. Okay? So they send me to Pflugerville Police, which, by the way, we should be proud of a community at the response of Pflugerville Police because this was the first dispatcher that I felt heard, that I felt like they were being urgent, and they were taking care of business. We exited 1.30, the toll. I didn't want to pay toll, but I paid toll to save a life because I'm following this guy. Like, I'm now part of the, the team, you know what I mean? <laughs> I should send them a bill. I should send Temple Police a bill for my Pflugerville toll. Anyway, they get all the information, and they're great. Pflugerville Police is great, and we're following them. Do you know that we made it all the way to this man's, I, I assume it was a man, I couldn't see inside, but I can't imagine a woman doing that. This man, this man got all the way home. Y'all, I know where this guy lives now, because I followed him home, and they asked me to get his address. Carefully, though, don't get shot. And I'm like, no, it's okay, I got this. <laughs> so I gave him the address. But he opens the garage with a remote clicker, pulls in, closes the garage, and then guess what? There's nothing at that point that the cops can do. Now, now, I'm thankful this person didn't die. I'm thankful for that. I'm actually even, I'm, I'm thankful that maybe he has another day to get his life right without having the consequences that he should probably have to pay. Like, I'm thankful for that grace. I'm thankful that he didn't hurt someone else on the road. But I'm really thankful that when I call on Jesus, it doesn't take a stretch from Temple to Pflugerville to be seen and heard, to be found right where I am, to be found in my crisis, for there to be a response team on the scene. I am thankful in a God who is present in every situation, in every crisis of our life, when we need him, how we need him, on the scene. I'm thankful for that. Guys, we need to understand that we serve a God. Now, I love the police department. I just got to tell you, I, I honor every emergency personnel. I, I honor them. But the police can't do what Jesus can do for me. I love hospitals, but the doctors can't do what Jesus can do for me. I love I love therapists, mental health therapists, but they can't even do what Jesus can do for me. I love my wife, but she can't do what Jesus can do for me. I love my kids, but they can't do what Jesus can do for me. I love you, but you can't do what Jesus can do for me. Guess what? Jesus is on Team Trey 100% of the time, and there's nothing that happens in my life that he is not aware of, and he's not on the scene. And this is why the church needs to be the church because the world is lost and dying and they need to know a Jesus who is there when everyone else has walked away. There's a little verse in the Bible. I don't know if you've heard it. It's, you, know, you have to dig for it to find it. It's not very popular. It's kind of obscure, but there's so much truth in it. I might, you might want to jot this down and kind of study it on your own. You can find it in John 3.16. <clears throat> it says, For God so loved the world, that was a joke, by the way. You guys need to lighten up. Seriously, you're a tough crowd. I know what it is. Y'all are all like, was it my car? Was it my car? Was it my car? I need to leave early. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall have eternal life. How many have heard that verse before? Come on, let's be honest. 
even non-Christians have probably heard that verse. For God so loved the world, and if you haven't, no condemnation, no guilt, no shame, but seriously, most of us have heard John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. John 3.16 is nestled in a story that Jesus is telling. A story. It's a brilliant story. How many of you actually can recall, without looking at your Bible or your phone, the story that John 3.16 is nestled in? Everyone in first service says, I can. That's cheating. That's okay, most people can't. I don't know that I, I could have either before preparing this message. Just recalled it on the top of my head. But it's the story of Nicodemus. It is the perfect example of evangelism. You see, when God is saying God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so whoever lives or believes in him shall have eternal life, he nestled that in a perfect illustration of what true evangelism looks like out in the world. So we're missing a big piece of this puzzle, and that's maybe why we feel like evangelism is so crazy. And Miss Dana talked about the empty seat a couple of weeks ago, and we still have empty seats here today. Maybe it's because we're just too afraid to go out in the world and evangelize the world. It's such a big Christian word. I don't know what it means. I don't know how to do it. Today, I want to walk through John chapter 3, verses 1 through 21. If you have your Bibles, turn with me. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jew Jewish ruling council. Let me stop there. Now there was a man of the Pharisees, a man, a Pharisee, you, you know, in the Bible, a Pharisee was like a really religious person that understood all the rules of religion but not the relationship part of it, right? High and mighty, yada, yada, yada. I would like to take the Pharisee a bit further in our mind because Jesus' perfect example of evangelism, he's going to a Pharisee. I would like to submit to you that maybe evangelism is going to people who understand a set of rules for their life that think it works for them, but they're lacking the relationship of Jesus Christ. Because let me tell you, we, it's easy to look at the down and out and want to go share Jesus, right? You see the orphanage in Haiti that we support, and it pulls on our heartstrings, and we're like, oh, we've got to go and rescue them, and we've got to help them. And it's easy to look at the homeless on the, on the street and, and feel compelled to do something because they're down and out. It's, it's easy for us to look at someone that's just lost a loved one and say, oh, I need to go be Jesus with skin on because they're down and out. But the reality is there are people in the world that are up and out. There are people that can pay all of their bills and have a full pantry and have five tubs of ice cream in their freezer every day that are dying inside because they need Jesus. They're a modern day Pharisee because they can balance a checkbook and always have money in it. They think that these are the perfect rules for their life and they've got it all together. Yet they're, they're lacking the relationship of Jesus Christ in their life. There was a 
kid's book. I don't know if you remember it. There was a, I don't know the name of it, but there was a mama bird who had a baby bird. And the mama bird went off to get worms and food. You remember this? Went off to get food for the baby bird and the baby bird um, hatches and didn't see the mama. And so it leaves the nest and it goes up to this, all these, you know, different creatures and says, are you my mama? It even goes up to a tractor. Are you my mama? Finally, I think it finds the mama in the end. The point I'm trying to get to is everything that is living and breathing has this deep desire and need to be known, to be seen, and to know whose they are and who they belong to. There are people in our world, even if they have it all together, there is, there is a God-made void in their soul that is dying to know who their father is. And so they... So they run to the new furniture and the new clothes and the new cars and say, are you my father? Will you satisfy me? Will I be complete now? They run from relationship to relationship to relationship saying, will this make me happy now? Jesus went to Nicodemus. I love verse two. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one, no one could perform the miraculous signs you were doing if God were not with him. Nicodemus came to Jesus. Jesus didn't go to Nicodemus. This is an important point. The reality is, if you and I were living a kingdom lifestyle, the lost would come to us searching for what we have. We wouldn't have to strive for evangelism. We wouldn't have to say, oh, what's the conversation that I've got to say to reach these people? How, how can I get them to come to church with me? All you got to do is step into your kingdom authority and the world will flock to you because they are craving what you have. Verse three. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born again when he is old, Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. Nicodemus smart old man says, how can this be? And Jesus, I love Jesus. Jesus is like the boss. Do you know what I mean? He's just in control of everything. I love it. He's in control of every situation. Nicodemus says, how can this be? And the next verse, Jesus says, hey, uh, yo, man, you are, you are Israel's teacher. Like, you claim to know it all. Why can't you understand the simple foundational truth that I'm saying of earth and spirit? Like, you're Israel's teacher. You don't understand these things. Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know. And we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? I want to stay on that verse for a moment. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. But how then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? Okay, there, catch this. There is a correlation, Jesus is saying, between someone catching earthly things and catching kingdom things. 
They're tied together somehow. So if you can't catch the earthly things, you can't catch the kingdom things. So you can't catch the kingdom things until you catch the earthly things. Let me give you an example. People will never know your Jesus until they first see how your Jesus works through you on this earth. Until they see your compassion for hurting people. Until they see your patience for people that just got on your last nerve. You, you ever been out to dinner? Been out to dinner, wanted to have a quiet dinner with your family because you're going to pay good money for this meal. And then your kids are grown up, so you're not dealing with screaming babies, crying babies, any of that. I know, bless babies, all of, all of you that have them. Bless, bless that stage of life. Um, but, when, and you're used to it. When you have babies, you're used to the crying, aren't you? Like, sometimes they can cry. You're just like, oh, well, I don't even hear it. Are they crying? Yeah. But everyone else can hear it because they're not accustomed to the crying. Like, in my stage of life, my season of life, until I have grandbabies, I don't know when that's going to happen. Hopefully not too soon, but hopefully not too long from now. Um, like, I'll get accustomed again to the crying, right? Because it, it'll be more in my world. You ever been out to dinner with your family and older kids, no crying, no tantrums, and the table behind you, there's a baby. How many? How many? How many of you, come on, let's be honest, do that religious, passive, aggressive sigh? How many have done the sigh? I've done it, be honest, because you're paying good money for a good meal. And this baby is annoying you, right? But you know why you sigh? Because you see a baby with a problem, not a baby with a name. When you had a baby and you knew its name, you could overlook the crying because you saw their pain from a different perspective. That's how the world sees Jesus, through us, through patience, through love, through kindness, through joy, through the fruit of the Spirit that we just freely give to the world, even the table behind us. You know what that mom, that mom needs? She doesn't need a sigh. She already knows her baby is disturbing everyone. She's embarrassed. You know what she needs? She needs you to push your plate across the table, stand up from your seat, walk over to her, pull out a chair, sit down and say, honey, I have been there too. And you're going to make it. And you can just just let that little demon child cry. It's going to be all right. We're still all going to eat our food. Do you know what I mean? That's what she needs. That's what Jesus would give to her. And then once they understand the compassion that we give as a Christian, that's an earthly thing, right? It's a tangible thing. Once they understand that, it opens the doorway for spiritual truths to walk into their life, for the truth of the love of God, the word of God, that Jesus is the only way to the Father. No one else can get to heaven except through Jesus Christ, who died on the cross, rose again on the third day, went to heaven, and is preparing a home for you and I to join him someday, some wonderful day. But until then, it's time for you and I to bring heaven to earth. That's what we're called to do. The rapture is not an escape plan. Remember that old hymn, that song, Some Glad Morning When This World Is Done, Something I'll Fly Away. 
and there's like some, and I love hymns, truly. I overanalyze a lot of things, but there are some hymns that are like, when, this, when these weary days are over. I'm not going to proclaim weary. You can take the weary days if you want. My days are blessed and highly favored. Because wherever I step, the kingdom is there. And there's no weariness in heaven. And it's my job as a follower of Jesus to bring heaven to earth. And so once I begin to spell these truths out for people, that's how they come into relationship with Jesus. But you know what we've done as a church? We focused so much, not our church, the church. And I love the global church. I'm not trying to diss the church. I, I want to kill people that do that. <laughs> Did I just say that? Well, it's true. It's true. I want to send them to see Jesus so they can apologize for slapping his bride. Anyway, I don't really want to kill them, okay? Chill out. I just want to hurt them and then pray for them. Where was I? I... Oh, you know what we've done? We focus so much on releasing the earthly things that we never bring them the kingdom things. So we see someone in need and we bring them a cold glass of water because they're thirsty. And we call that the gospel. That's not the full gospel. That's only the first part where they're being introduced to the kindness of God on the earth. You also have a responsibility with that glass of water to say, hey, Jesus knows you and he sees you. He believes in you. And you, you lead them to the truth of a God that loves them and died for them. God is love, but love is not God. We, we need to understand that, church. God is love, but love is not God. If, if all you're doing is loving people without bringing them the truth of God, the truth of what it means to be in relationship with Him, you're not giving them the full gospel. God is love. Love is not God. We have a responsibility. If you want to set captives free, and let me tell you, every one of you in this room have the capacity to set captives free, not just invite them to church so the pastor can pray over them. You have the capacity to be in Walmart and set captives free with the power of your words, with your kindness, and then the truth of God. Because let me tell you something, when you introduce people to the truth of God's word and his nature and who he is, he will immediately come alongside you. And if you're patient enough and you listen and you look long enough, the moment you start to speak truth into someone's life, you will feel the wind of angels' wings just cover you. Because God is faithful to carry out the words that you speak that align with his will for humanity. And when you speak truth to them, your words are now on assignment, backed by the bank of heaven. So Jesus, I know I'm out of time. So Jesus um, is addressing the curiosity of Nicodemus, is, is talking to him about earthly things and kingdom things. And then we end up John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. By the way, can I also just let you know that when you speak truth to people, it needs to be wrapped in love. Like, it's not like, Hey, here's your glass of water. And by the way, 
You're a sinner. You're going to hell. That's not what, that's not what it looks like. That's not Jesus. At this conference we went to the past few days, there were protesters on the street. And every time we walked to our car, they would shout to us. Uh, they told Hosanna that her name was not in the big book. You're, you're, you're following a false god. You're doing it wrong. You need to repent. Your name's not in the big book. You know what you should have said? Well, last I checked, uh, wide is the way that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way that leads to truth and life and eternity. So I'm glad my name's not in the big book. It's in the smaller one that knows the one true God. That's what you should have said. Never mind, sorry. I'm being more careful with my words these days. The old Trey would have just said it. I'm making progress. I would have just said it. We've got to church. We've got to consider the empty seat. Because listen, you just hand someone a glass of cold water. That, that's great on earth, but it's not going to quench their thirst in hell. So you've got to deliver the kindness with the truth of God and his word. I want to pray over you today. Some of you have been um, embracing fear and as if you're not qualified to share the gospel with people. And I just want to break that off of you. If that's you, if you, if you just feel in your heart that these empty seats matter and, and you want to be a part of the solution and you want to go out beyond these doors, th this is our mission field. It's, it's easy. Somebody said this. Who was it? Who did I hear this? I think Bill Johnson said this. It's easy to be on fire in a group. It's harder to be on fire alone. And so it's easy to come into church on a Sunday and worship Jesus and be like the super Christian. But what about when you're at dinner and the baby's crying behind you? Or what about when you're at Walmart and the cashier is too slow and they have to do a price check and you're in a hurry? We went to Chili's. I'm wrapping up, I promise. Can I have five more minutes? I'll, I'll, I'll take three, three minutes. We went to Chili's and there was this grumpy old lady there as our server. I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen a grumpy old lady witness one. Whatever you've witnessed, magnify that times a hundred. And this was her. No, oh, don't, oh. No, she needed a, oh, oh. She needed a, oh, <laughs> Anyway. You know. I'm going to regret doing that. <laughs> Yow. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway, um, where was I? Grumpy old lady. No, she was seriously grumpy. Seriously grumpy. She got mad because we wanted to split the check. We had a kind of a large party. Um, she was taking orders, and we would ask questions, and she would get mad at every question that we asked. Mad at every question. She came to me. I... I don't get intimidated easily or, you know, my feathers ruffled easily, but she's like demanding that I order now. And I'm just like, uh, 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 just get that. Just give me that. Give me that. What do you want? I, I don't care. Just whatever you bring me, I'll eat it. And so carry orders. And I'm like, oh, wait, ma'am, we've got three kids. And she was like, well, you better tell me who they are and tell me what they want. And I was like, yes, ma'am. And so I stand up, and they were at the other end of the table. And I, I don't know if you know, but I, I have three African-American kids. And 
the waiters and waitresses never identify them as my kids. So I don't know why. And um, so rather than point her and frustrate her more, I say, let me just walk you to my kids. And so I get up and I go walk. And I, I want to protect them. And they, I don't want them to have to talk to the mean lady. And so I say, guys, what do you want? They tell me. I tell her. And she is just like, we, you ask for a refill of water. It's like, right? You were there. It was awful, awful, awful. So my, my lovely wife leans over to me. And I, you know, I, I was kind of disappointed because I was in another city. No one knew me. I didn't really have to be nice or be a Christian in that moment. I could have given her a piece of my mind. But I've learned in my life that if you give someone a piece of your mind, you forfeit the right to give them a piece of your heart. And my wife leans over to me and she taps my leg and she says, Hey, um, why don't you prophesy over her and change the atmosphere? wasn't good. No, it, it really ticked me off. I looked at her, and I'm like, do you want to lead this family spiritually now, or are you going to let me drive? I didn't want to do it, man. I didn't want to do it. I knew, I knew she was right. It just made me so mad. So she looks at Sherry and says, do you want to prophesy over her? And Sherry goes, sure. I'm like, oh, no, she didn't. Okay, uh, okay. And Carrie looks at me. She goes, you already have a word for her, don't you? And I said, yeah, actually, I do. And Carrie goes, yeah, I knew it. So the lady comes over, and, and I'm scared of her. And Sherry goes, ma'am, come, come here, come here, come here. And I'm like, just make it short and quick and to the point. Let's get out of this lady's crosshairs. And uh, Sherry goes, I just want to encourage you. Um, that just the, the Lord loves you so much and what she said was so beautiful and she goes um, God just wants you to know that you're seen that you are seen and the lady <laughs> well that's great I've been told that all my life I'm seen by God can you let him know I need his help and Sherry goes can I pray for you I mean, what do you say after that, right? You're trying to encourage someone, and then they shoot you down, and you're like. And so Sherry looks at me, and she, she goes, do you want to say something? And so I had a word for her, and I spoke to what I didn't like about her, because prophecy always encourages, and it pulls out the gold. But here's one thing that I noticed. When there's something about someone that I really despise, and, and I consider it a weakness of theirs, I've trained myself to realize it's truly a kingdom strength that has been overextended by the enemy to create it as a weakness. Because if he can distract someone from their kingdom strength and make it an earthly weakness, they will never gain maturity in this gift. Right? I'll give you an example. If that was confusing, I'll give you an example. A workaholic, for example. A workaholic whose family is falling apart. I believe there is a kingdom gift of faithfulness and commitment that the enemy has overextended into workaholism to destroy the family. Does that make sense? So I look at this lady who has been grumpy and been throwing plates down and doing all this stuff, and I look at her and I say, ma'am, I believe God just wants to honor you for, for your desire to do things right and do things quick. Like, I've been watching you run around this place so quick, and I just want you to know that God is proud of you. He is proud of your excellence. He is proud of your commitment to this job. And she tears up a bit. 
And she goes, you know, I'm a, I just moved here from Boston. And I thought, well, that explains everything. <laughs> my, my, I mean, there it is. Problem solved. My wife is from Massachusetts. You ain't got to tell me anything more. There it is. She said, I, I just moved here from Boston and was supposed to retire, but I can't retire and I have to work. And I just don't want to work and I can't afford to live. And I'm, I am just at the end. And, you know, suddenly this woman had a name to me. She didn't have an issue anymore. She had a name. And so I said, ma'am, we're, I, I'm, I'm looking for cash, and I never carry cash. So don't ever try to steal my wallet. I just don't carry cash. But I had $14, and I said, ma'am, this is all the cash that I have, but I promise when I pay for my meal, I'll give you a good tip. And she took the $14, and she started, she, was, she gasped a bit, and then, Another family at the table gave her some cash, and then someone else gave her some cash, and she, she began to get overwhelmed. And then we gave her my debit card, and everyone put tips on. And I think we tipped her probably five or 600% of what the bill was. And she saw the, the tip, and she melted. And she held us and hugged us. And what was an awful experience ended up like we were leaving our nice grandma behind in Dallas. She hugged us all multiple times, walked us to the door, blew us kisses. It was incredible. Guys, you have the capacity to shift the atmosphere in any situation. Don't waste these opportunities to be Jesus. Let me pray over you. Father, in Jesus' name. There are many of us here who who want to evangelize more, who want that power, who want that ability and capacity to bring the kindness, but also bring the truth. So God, anyone in their heart that right now is saying, that's me, that's me, that's me. I want to be more effective for the kingdom. I want to fill these empty seats because every empty seat represents a life that could potentially be going to hell. That's me. I want to be more effective for your kingdom, Lord. Help me, help me if that's you. I just want you to know the Lord right now is partnering with your desire, the desires of your heart. He loves the church even more than you do. He loves people even more than you do. All he needs is you to say yes to him, for you to get bold, for you to get courageous, to you, for you to step out of your comfort zone. So God, we just release it right now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Can we just give Jesus a hand clap? God bless you guys. Thank you for joining us today. We would love to hear how God is moving in your life. Share your story by visiting theexchangechurch.org and click on connect to contact us.